see you in the house of God. Well, happy Easter. Thank you for joining us in worship this morning. I want to invite you, if you have a copy of God's Word, turn to the book of John chapter 20. John chapter 20 is our text. We are going to dive right into the Word of God. You know, that very first Easter did not take place in a crowded worship setting like we're sitting today. Did not take place in, a, in an environment quite like this. In fact, uh, that very first Easter, the disciples were locked in a house. Instead of sheltering in place, they were, you might say, they were shaking in place. They were terrified. Their, their leader, Jesus, had just been crucified three days earlier. And they were terrified they were coming after them next. And with rifle, uh, rifle uh, thought process, and because they were friends with Jesus, it was dangerous for them to even leave the room, to leave the house. And on top of that, they were filled with fear. They wanted to believe the good news that Jesus was going to rise from the grave. But what if, what if they were wrong? What if all of this time, what they had been believing in and listening and seeing Jesus say and teach and, and do, what if he did not rise from the grave? And so fear was starting to overcome them, and, and they, were, they wanted to believe the good news of, of, of Jesus, but it seemed too, too good to be true. Could Jesus really be alive? They were living in a, a time of despair and discouragement. Maybe you feel like that describes your life right now. You said, Pastor David, over the last couple of years, my life seems to have spiraled out of control. And I'm fearful about the future. I'm fearful about what tomorrow looks like for, for my kids. Anybody else like that as a parent? Sometimes you wonder, like, what are we passing down to our children or maybe to our grandchildren? You're looking around thinking, what world are they growing up in when everything that's wrong seems to be right and everything that's right seems to be somehow wrong? And you know, living in a time of despair and discouragement, many people are discouraged after two years of living in an ongoing pandemic, and it seems like it's never going to end. Today, we live in political turmoil. We are living in a time of uh, record inflation and wars and rumors of wars that are happening all around the world today. And, and it's caused many people to live in fear. If you turn on the news, it only takes a few moments, and you're so discouraged you're like, I don't even know how we move forward from this moment. But folks, Jesus Christ came to offer peace. He came as the, with the promise of peace. And he offers us peace ultimately with God. If the, the disciples had left their homes, their lives, the lives of their loved ones might be at risk. Does a miracle, did a miracle really happen? Did Jesus really come to rise from the grave did jesus really rise from the dead could this time of terror and fear be coming to an end huddled in the house the disciples uh, are, are daring to believe that hope was possible they're daring to believe that god loved them so much that he would send his son and that the the crucifixion and the burial was not the end they're holding on to hope that maybe just maybe jesus would actually rise from the grave. Do you know the most frequent exhortation of the Bible is not to love one another or to even to love God. The most common command is some variation of do not be afraid or fear not. In fact, 365 times in scripture we're reminded to not be afraid or to fear not. And oftentimes it's followed by because I am with you always. Jesus promises us peace. He's offering us 
a real relationship, one for every day of the year. And it's comforting to know this charge is often followed by the words, I am with you always. So in the midst of your greatest moments of fear, the greatest moments of failure, the greatest moments of frustration, Jesus says, don't be afraid. I am with you. I love you. I'm for you. I'm here to pre prepare a way before you. And he's offering us a right relationship with God. So don't let anyone tell you this morning that Easter is canceled because it's not. You can't cancel what God ordained. You can't cancel God's plan. And, and folks, it's possible to encounter the living Jesus Christ more profoundly today because of the last couple of years of what we've gone through. We need Jesus. In fact, this morning, Easter matters because it changes everything. The cross of Jesus equals love. When Jesus died on the cross, he was showing his love for all of humanity and saying, I love you so much, I don't want you to spend all of eternity in a place called hell. Jesus loves us. And so without the resurrection of Jesus, we'd be stuck in our past and our sins. We'd be powerless over our problems. And folks, would be filled with fear about the future. But everything changed the moment Jesus rose from the grave. Because of the resurrection, we have the promise of peace and no Easter can't be canceled hope can't be quarantined Jesus couldn't he continued he could not stay in the grave he rose victoriously from the grave this morning we serve a risen Savior I invite you to look at our text this morning in John chapter 20 beginning in verse 19 the gospel of John chapter 20 it says on the evening of that day the first day of the week the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews Jesus came out and stood among them and, and said to them, peace be with you. When he, said, when he had said this, he showed them his hands. He showed them his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them a second time, peace be with you as the Father has sent me, even so I'm sending you. Verse 22 says, when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. Heavenly Father, I pray this morning that your Holy Spirit would speak to our hearts. I guarantee you that there's probably many this morning in, a, in this service and those that are tuning in online and will watch it over the course of the next week online that do not have a personal relationship with you. And maybe their life is, is crippled by fear. God, I pray this morning they would understand that Jesus is offering peace to a world that's in complete and utter turmoil. Jesus is offering peace with God. He's offering us a right relationship, not religion, but a right relationship with God. And Lord, I pray this morning for every single person who's listening and tuning in during this service, God, that you would speak to their hearts and allow them to see that it is possible to go through this life and have peace. And even though we face trials on every front, Jesus is offering us that right relationship. And we can have peace that surpasses all understanding. God, would you speak to hearts this morning and radically transform lives? For the Christian this morning that may be discouraged, that maybe they've lost a loved one or the last couple years have been a, 
very trying on so many levels. God, would you give us encouragement knowing that you're on your throne, you rose victoriously and conquered death and hell and the grave, and Lord, we can place our confidence in you and find peace in the midst of a, a, a great time of storm. God, do a mighty work in our hearts and lives. We'll be careful to give you all of the honor and glory and praise. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. One of the results of the resurrection is we no longer have to live in fear. The disciples had just watched Christ crucified. They saw them, them, them casting lots for his clothes, but for his garments, and, and they saw his body being placed in a, in a grave and, and wrapped in grave clothes, and, and they were crippled with fear. But yet Jesus entered into their, the place where they were hiding, the home where they were living in fear. He entered in that home and he offered them peace. Peace be with you. When in dread, remember Jesus Christ, he rose from the grave. He rose from the dead. He's offering us a right relationship. So embrace this morning his peace. Embrace the peace of a relationship with Jesus and what that means for us who know Christ as Savior. In a world with strife and contention, a constant uh, battle in the Twitter world, uh, everyone's always fighting and fussing and I mean, even in the last week on Twitter, it's just gone absolutely crazy. Uh, with everything that's happened, Jesus offers peace. Aren't you thankful that relationship that, folks, just because the stock market has a good day or a bad day, I can have confidence in my relationship with God. Even though the, the, the economy might have uh, really good days and bad days, we turn on the news and there's countries all over the world fighting and at war, we can have confidence and peace with God. Take a look at verse 19. He says, on the evening of that day, the, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. There's something about being with those that you love, being with family. I'm telling you, you go visit your grandmother or your grandfather and I used to tell my grandmother when I was a little kid, I'm going to sit in your lap till I'm 100 years old. <laughs> I mean, I, would, I don't know where I came up with that, but I would tell her, I said, Grandma, I'm going to sit in your lap till I'm 100 years old. And she would say, well, son, if you're still here, if I'm still around when you're 100 years old, you can sit in my lap. I don't, honestly don't know where I got that from, but I would tell her that. And, and at her funeral, uh, they reminded me that I, I said that I was going to sit in her lap till I was 100 years old. But there was something about going to Grandma's house and climbing up on her lap, and she would ask us about, you know, what was going on in our world, and my grandmother was an awesome cook, and she would cook our favorite foods. Anybody else like that in there? I mean, we'd go to her house and mash potatoes and butter beans, and, and we, for the longest time, couldn't figure out how her vegetables were so much better than what we had at home, because my mom cooked like a healthy meal, and my grandmother put sugar in everything, so if you ever want to know why the green beans were so, like we would skip dessert and go back for green beans or back for corn. And it's because there was massive helpings of sugar in those things. And so it was like eating dessert, you know. And I realized the strawberry jelly salad with pretzels on the bottom was a, a salad because grandma called it a salad. And I was like, I'll have some of that salad instead of the tossed salad over here. because I, But there was something, a feeling of, of peace of being at grandma's house. Everything was all right when we were in grandma's house. When Jesus entered into the room where the disciples were, 
They were crippled in fear. They're wondering, are we the next ones to be killed? And suddenly he says, peace be with you. Embrace his peace. Embrace the peace of God. The disciples were afraid because their leader had been arrested. Generally, if your leader had been killed, the authorities would also be looking for you. But to top it all off, now the body of Jesus is missing. The Romans didn't have anything to do with that. So they're looking at the followers, the disciples of Jesus going, they must have taken his body. And, and they didn't have it. And so it was likely they were looking for the disciples. They were the culprits. They were barricaded inside of a room. And the word fear in the Greek literally means to be alarmed or frightened and living in terror. It, and it carries with an idea of flight. They were trying to figure out how can we escape under the cover of darkness like Moses, Joseph and Mary did several, many years before and fled to Egypt. Why? Because they were worried of their child being killed. And folks, the disciples were living in a place of fear. Maybe they were planning that how they would uh, flee out of the city of Jerusalem. They would all scatter and go different directions. We've lived through COVID for two years now. Fear and anxiety are at an all-time high. People are struggling to sleep while others are experiencing anxiety and panic attacks. A, a recent study shows people are having pandemic dreams and they're, they're worried about the future and what they can't see. There's, people, there's studies about dreams and they said many people fear that someone is chasing them. But they can't see who's chasing them and it's driven alcohol sales are up 55%. Marijuana use is an all-time high. Uh, people are watching porn today more than ever. They're binge eating and exercising less. Domestic violence is skyrocketing. And in the midst of all of their anxiety, Jesus suddenly comes among them and says, Peace be with you. Somehow in the resurrected body, Jesus was to go, able to go through multiple locked doors and entered into their presence and said, Peace be with you. Nothing could keep them out. In fact, in Luke chapter 24, verse 37, it tells us they were not only afraid of the authorities, they were startled and frightened when Jesus appeared. <laughs> I mean, they were like, how did you get here? What? what? I mean, there's, there's this constant fear of, of what's going to happen next, who's going to find them, and who's going to hold them accountable. They were startled and frightened, and then Jesus says, peace be with you. I'm reminded of Psalm 103, verse 10. He says, He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. I'm thankful that Jesus paid the price of our sin. And folks, He makes us at peace with God. He gives us that right relationship. The prophet Isaiah says, Isaiah 57, Peace, peace to the far and to the near, says the Lord, and I will heal the only thing that can make us righteous and right before God and offer us peace in a sin-cursed world is a relationship, a personal relationship with Jesus. He's offering us that peace with God. And, and so the, the greeting of peace had a much di a deeper meaning than what we might think of in, in our current culture. We, when you go up and you see a friend, you say, what's up? Uh, it just seems like a, a, a lackadaisical type phrase or terminology, but when someone would come up and say shalom in a whole, whole different meaning of the state of wholeness and harmony, 
that was, would resonate throughout all relationships. When used in a greeting, shalom was a wish for outward freedom from disturbance, as well as an inner sense of well-being. To a people constantly harassed by their enemies, peace was the premier blessing that God gave Moses. And the words used when blessing his people in Numbers chapter 6, he says, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you what, church? Peace. So what is he saying? He says, God is the only one we, we have to worry about having peace with. He's telling us you can have an experience that peace with God. The New Testament describes at least three different spheres of peace. And we'll, we're going to talk about those. There's first of all, peace with God. And Romans chapter 5 gives us a, a, a picture of what that looks like. But it's a vertical peace. And in order for me to have peace with God, he says in Romans chapter 5, he says, therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God. Who? How? Through our Lord Jesus Christ. And so he's offering us vertically peace with God. Then he says we can have uh, the peace of God. And, and the peace of God is different than the peace with God. Because the peace of God is an, an internal peace. In Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 and 7, he says, Don't be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And what does he say? Paul writes, he says, The peace of God, which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Aren't you thankful that in a world that is completely out of control, we can experience peace with God? We can have that inner peace. We can have the peace of God internally reigning in our hearts and lives. But then he also says we can have peace with others, peace with mankind. That's horizontally and in Matthew chapter 5, it says, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the sons of God. And notice he didn't call them peacekeepers. He said peacemakers. It takes effort to bring conflict to an end. If your family is anything like mine, you've probably had some moments of uh, conflict in, in your own family uh, sometime over the last week. I mean, anytime you get more than one person in the house... Uh, there's going to be conflict. I mean, you ever ask your wife, well, where do you want to go? I don't care. You choose. <laughs> That's a hot topic. I mean, I don't even want to even try to make that, uh, you know, call because it's never going to be the right thing. I mean, I said, okay, we'll go to Bojangles. We just went to Bojangles. I mean, uh, well, let's go to cookout. Well, we had cookout last week and, you know, just my stomach didn't feel that great. I mean, it's like constant until you, anybody else in the same, or you, you choose the movie we're going to watch. You know, and you can't win in that setting. So, you know, having that peace with others is important. Having the peace that rules in our hearts of being a peacemaker. And it takes uh, effort to, uh, to bring an end to that, that conflict. In John chapter 16, he says, I've said these things to you, that in me, in me, you may have peace. In the world, you'll have tribulation. But take heart. I have overcome the world. I love that. It's a constant reminder. Jesus gives us victory 
over sin, over death, over hell, over the grave. And so and all of the things that we're facing that seem like they're out of control, we can experience the peace of God in our, all of our relationships with him internally with others and he gives us that right relationship i've overcome the world don't miss the connection peace comes from the presence of the prince of peace this peace extends in three different dimensions i can be at peace with my past think about this for just a moment you can be at peace with your past you say oh pastor david you don't even want to go down that road. And we're going to stay as far away from my family. Anybody going, my college days still haunt me. I mean, you're sitting here thinking of all of the, the sins of our past. You know what he says? You can have peace with your past. You can have peace with your past. And, and folks, allow his peace to bring wholeness. In Psalm 103, verse 12, as far as the east is from the west. So far has he removed our transgressions from us. Anybody want to testify this morning and go, Woohoo! My sins have been covered by the blood of Jesus, and I don't have to worry about my past. I've got peace with it. I've got peace with God because he's forgiven. And folks, he's cast them, as the Bible says, into the depths of the sea, never to be remembered anymore. A pastor said, I think it's a, a, a good observation, he says, and he posted a sign that says, no fishing. <laughs> I mean, you ever see that, that sign that says no fishing, you're like, man, I just want to, it just makes you want to go fishing even more. But he says, there's no fishing allowed because Christ has cast them so far away, they will never, ever be brought back up. Sometimes, even ourselves, we're the hardest people to overcome our past. And say, you know what, if Jesus has forgiven me, why can't I forgive myself? Why can't I move past my past? So having peace with our past. Peace, we can have peace with the present. What are you worried about right now? Are you worried about catching COVID? This week, I, I, my wife was like, there's some schools that are going back to putting the mask back on, and I'm thinking to myself, oh, dear God, please, no, not again. We've already been there. We've already done that. We have all the t-shirts, and we have masks for years to come. Don't go back down that road. Is it the virus? We, is, it, is it inflation? Every time you fill your car up, you're wondering, is it eating or driving to work? Is it family matters? What is it that's making you fearful? Because, folks, he can give us peace with our present, our health, our safety, our finances, the war in Ukraine. The word of God says in Isaiah 61, Jesus came to bind up the wounds of the broken. He cares about the things that are near and dear to our hearts. Three weeks ago, we buried my mother. And you know what? I can't rejoice anymore because I know she's in heaven this morning spending Easter with Jesus. Woo! That's awesome. She's not suffering. One of the last pictures of, of her that we have was sitting on this front row. And folks, she was so bent over with osteoporosis. If you were sitting behind her, you couldn't even tell she was sitting in front of you. She's not battling dementia. She doesn't have cancer. She has a brand new body, and I, I 
can just imagine this morning. She's like, I can't be silent. I'm going to worship Jesus. It's Easter Sunday. And I, I was talking to one of our ladies that said, I bet she's already met your mom in heaven. And she's rejoiced with her. And, and folks, I'm just excited to think of what it's going to be like. But peace with the present. Peace. Signs of the wounds of the broken. I can be at peace with my future. Many of us are, are fretting about the future. What world are we leaving to our children and our, our grandchildren? Ask Jesus to give you his peace so that you can live life without fear. Live life without worry. In Psalm 30, verse 5, it says, Weeping may endure for a night, but what's the last phrase in that verse? Joy comes when, church? In the morning. You can have peace with the future. That even though we might be living in a cloud of darkness in this very present moment, joy is coming in the morning. Paul Tripp said this, peace doesn't come from your distance from trouble. It comes rather from the nearness of our Savior. And folks, he is very near in our times of struggle. We can secondly, we can examine his proof in verse 20. He says, when he had this, he showed them his hands and his side. The disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. And then the word showed has the idea of presenting and exhibiting. You can only imagine being there, and here's Thomas going, no, no, I want to see it from my, I got to touch it. I want to reach, I want to touch his hands and his feet and his side. And before we judge some of these disciples, like Peter, he's the one that actually stepped out of the boat, folks. He's the, Thomas is the one that says, I want to know, I want to see it for myself and touch it for myself to know. Examine the proof. Mary, who's, who had just uh, a few hours earlier seen the risen Savior, Peter, who had just seen the risen Savior, all of these people were given testimony, and now the disciples all see him. I love, as, as John reflects on it later, he says in 1 John chapter 1, verse 1, he says, That which was from the beginning, which we've heard, which we've seen with our eyes, which we've looked upon, we've touched the nail prints in his hands and his feet, Concerning the word of life, he was made manifest, and we've seen it and testified to you and proclaimed to you the eternal life, which was with the Father and was made manifest to us. I love what Jesus Christ accomplished, folks. He offers us a right relationship with God the Father. He says in John 16, verse 22, So also you have sorrow now, but I will see you again. Your hearts will rejoice, and no one will take your joy from you. See, what happens is, since Jesus is alive, you and I can have joy that can never be taken away from us, can never be abandoned. We can be like the people described in Isaiah, in Isaiah chapter 25, verse 9, he says, Behold, this is our God. We have waited for him, that he might save us. This is the Lord. We have waited for him. Let us be glad and rejoice in his salvation. But then he calls us to a third thing. He says, engage in his purpose. In verse 21, he's saying, there's a purpose for which you were created, folks. When we were gathering for worship this morning and, and lifting our hands, exalting our Savior, all oh, can only imagine what those saints of God who've gone on before were experiencing this morning, folks. I mean, there's no sickness, there's no sin, there's no sorrow, there's no crying. They're experiencing 
the almighty presence of our Lord and Savior. So it says, embrace his purpose. Embrace his purpose. Verse 21 says, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I'm sending you. Embrace the purpose for which Jesus called us to go make disciples. Who make disciples of Jesus. He embraced the purpose for which he created us. He saved us in order to send us. The word sent means to be dispatched. Jesus adds this in Luke chapter 24. Repentance and forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations. Beginning at Jerusalem. He says you are witnesses of these things. In Acts chapter 1. Just before he uh, ascends into heaven. He gives them the great commissioning. Calling them to Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria. And ultimately to the ends of the earth. And he says, I'm calling you. But he says, I'm going to give you power. You shall receive power. The Holy Ghost and the Holy Spirit is going to come upon you. And you're going to go forth as witnesses of the saving power of Jesus. You see, the disciples were given a message that can't be hidden. Likewise, folks, we too can be we can get too comfortable within the walls of our own church building, our own homes, our own apartments. But folks, the gospel is to be sent. He's calling us to go out and share the good news of Jesus. Christianity puts on shoes and gets moving. The first use of the word peace in verse 19 was to quiet their hearts. But the second peace was given to prepare them for a fresh statement of their purpose. As initially given in John chapter 17, he says, And he sent me into the world. I have sent them into the world. God sent Jesus into the world. And then Jesus in turn sends his disciples, each of us, into the world. And then he, thirdly, fourthly, he says, embody his presence. Verse 22 says, when he had seen that, when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. Jesus not only commissions us, he not only calls us, but folks, he gives us his presence, his power to go forward as a bold witness of Jesus Christ. He's giving us the calling, but he's equipping us as the called. Just as God's breath made that first creation, the breath of Jesus makes his new creation. The words of Jesus in John 16 are about to be fulfilled, and he says, Unless I go away, the counselor, the comforter will not come. He says, but if I go, I will send him to you. What an awesome thing to understand this morning is when Jesus left his disciples, he didn't leave them alone. He says, I'm going to send my Holy Spirit and he's going to be with you every single step of the way. And I can honestly tell you, over the last several weeks, we have experienced the peace of God, folks, the grace of God in ways I've never experienced before because I've never needed it in that fashion. But folks, when you lose someone you're, you love dearly, but you know where they're going, you know where they're at, God gives us comfort. He gives us peace in the midst of all of those things. He says, embody that presence of God. It's fascinating to hear how fearful followers who were huddled in a house, were transformed into bold proclaimers of the gospel. 
Have you ever wondered how they went from a frightened few to faithful warriors of God? Two things happened, folks. They were convinced Jesus did rise from the grave. He, and he, the resurrection is where all fears go to die. So Jesus rose from the grave, but they were also, they were controlled by the Holy Spirit. And folks, he gave them constant comfort. Say, Pastor, what's the, how do we wrap this up? How do we apply what happened here with the disciples? The resurrection of Jesus demands a response of repentance. Think about it for just a moment. The resurrection of Jesus Christ demands a response of repentance. You see, Jeff Ashley says this. He says, the apostles witnessed the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. They claimed to have seen, touched, and heard from a man risen from the dead. The evangelical church today doesn't like to talk about repentance. But unless we understand how bad we are, we'll never understand how good God is. We'll never understand if Jesus has risen from the dead, then that historical fact is sufficient evidence that he is who he says he is. He did rise from the grave. And if he truly is Lord and God, he has every right to claim absolute rule over every single life. This morning, he has the right to tell you what to do. And the good news of Christ's resurrection demands a response of repentance. What have you done with Jesus? It's clearly seen in Acts chapter 17. The apostle Paul is preaching. He says, the times of ignorance God overlooked but now he commands all people everywhere to what church? Repent. Because he's fixed today on which he will judge the world in righteousness by a man whom he has appointed. And of this he has given assurance to all by raising him. Who is that him? Jesus from. There are three responses to Paul's sermon here in Acts chapter 17. Verse 32 says, some of those people rejected it. Some people rejected the truth of the gospel, folks. Some people go on and verse 30, the last part of verse 32, they were curious. They're like, I don't know, I want to I know more. I want to hear more about this Jesus. But there was also a third response in verse 34 of Acts 17. Some received him. I love that last response because the word of God says that the word of God does not return void. It's going to minister and it's going to do the work that the Holy Spirit of God intended. And folks, that gives me comfort as a, as a minister of the gospel because... Folks, it's not up to me to save you. It's up to God to do that. The Holy Spirit is the one that saves and transforms lives. I'm just the mouthpiece. I'm just the messenger. 
He empowered me, and folks, he's empowering you. Maybe you've invited friends, and you've invited family, and I want you to know, first of all, you're home this morning. You're at home. If you're visiting today for the very first time, welcome home. This is a church who loves you, who's been praying for you. You say, man, that, Pastor David, that seems a little bit creepy and weird, but folks, it's nice to know there are people that care about you, that you're not alone in this world. And you say, Pastor David, the last year, the last two years have been horrific. God knows, and he cares. You say, Pastor, we just moved to this, this city. I, in fact, I don't even know where I'm at. Is this Garner, Raleigh, Fuquay? I can't even, I mean, I don't even know where we moved to. I mean, North Carolina seems like a foreign place compared to where I moved from. Welcome home. You're amongst people who love you and love who you are. They care about you. And we don't care about the things from your past. And I'm not saying that in a bad way, but we're not here to judge you. Jesus Christ is the only one that will judge us. But what he's saying is you can experience peace with God today, first and foremost, if you place your faith and trust in Jesus Christ alone. I said in the message, some rejected the gospel. Some were curious. They wanted to know more. And then others, some received him. What about you? What's your response to his resurrection? Are you ready to repent and receive the salvation that's offered through the resurrection, resurrected Christ? You see, God made human beings to reflect his glory and in that relationship with him. When, but when Adam and Eve sinned, they plunged the entire human race into depravity and and ultimately death and as a result we're separated from God and we're desperately in need of restoring that peace with God and his death was the full payment for all of our sins and folks the shedding of his blood satisfied God's wrath for the sins of the entire world Jesus took our punishment that we deserve and he rose again on the third day for our justification. The only way that you or I can be saved and be rescued from hell is by trusting Christ alone as our Savior. The Bible says that it talks about the importance of repenting of sin before you can receive Jesus as Savior. I wonder this morning, are you ready to turn from your sin, from your selfishness and trust Jesus Christ as your Lord and your Savior. You see, Ron Hutchcraft said Jesus walked out of his grave so that he could walk into our life. He's desiring a relationship with you this morning. He wants to know you personally. He wants to hear the, the struggles that you're facing. And he offers peace that surpasses all understanding. And folks, in John chapter 10, Jesus says, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved. 
and we'll go in and out and find pasture. And folks, the only way to be safe from our sins today is to go through Jesus Christ. And instead of being fearful, we can find peace through God's amazing grace. The promise of peace only matters today if you receive it. Because you see, what happened on the cross is not the end of the story. That was just the beginning. Jesus died and he took the punishment that you and I deserve to die on the cross. He took that for you and, and for me. But folks, that's not where it ended. He rose victoriously three days later from a tomb. And in 2019, I, I went there personally and I got to step inside the door and see that it's empty, folks. I can give testimony that the, the tomb where Jesus was buried is, is completely empty because he rose victoriously from the grave. And these disciples there saw the risen Jesus with their own eyes. They touched the nail prints in his hand and his feet and they gave testimony that Jesus did rise from the grave. This morning, the promise of peace only matters if you receive it because his death, his burial, and his resurrection means nothing if you walk out this door and reject it. Do you know Jesus Christ? What will you do with the risen Savior? I'm going to invite every single person to bow your heads and close your eyes this morning. We're going to have a word of prayer in just a few moments.